As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, the signs were unmistakable. Along the approximately 400 miles of highway, although I took kind of a roundabout route to get here, but along the 400 or so miles of highway from Martin Luther College in New Ulm, Minnesota, to Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, I saw the evidence over and over again. The corn has turned from the deep green of summer to a yellow, to a golden brown. The leaves have dropped, revealing ears of corn ready for harvest. The soybean fields have turned from that deep green of summer to that yellow that slowly spread across the fields, now to a darker brown. The leaves have dropped, revealing pods of soybeans ready for harvest. It's obvious, isn't it? In this part of the country, the Great Lakes states, the upper Midwest, whatever you want to call it, it's harvest time. Now with that living image going on around us as we speak, just yesterday saw a handful of combines out in the fields, with that living image going on, I want to direct your attention to another harvest. This harvest began 2,000 years ago at a Jewish harvest festival. We know it as Pentecost. Jesus kept his promise to pour out the Holy Spirit on the disciples. And the evidence of that promise kept took the form of tongues of fire resting on the heads of the disciples. They spoke in other languages. There was that sound of a rushing wind in the place where they were gathered, but there was no wind. And then, through word and sacrament, 3,000 people were brought in to the harvest, brought into the kingdom of God. But that harvest continues until this day. The scriptures tell us that that harvest will continue until the last day. What I'd like to do with you this morning is have you consider your part in the harvest. As we direct our attention to the gospel lesson for this morning, we're going to be reminded it's harvest time. Yes, brothers and sisters, it's harvest time. And then we're going to be encouraged to pray for workers. We're going to be encouraged to participate in the harvest as well. Before accepting the call to serve you at your college of ministry, the last parish that I served was St. John Lutheran Church in Redwood Falls, Minnesota. Now, Redwood County in the state of Minnesota is always in the top five counties for corn and soybeans. So can you guess what we talked about at weddings, baptisms, confirmations, funerals, potlucks? Yes, farming. How many 
hundredths of an inch. That's when I learned you don't measure rain in inches or tenths of an inch. How many hundredths of an inch of rain did Elmer get or did Leroy get on his farm? But I loved it. My family, my wife and children, had to say on a regular basis, you're not a farmer, you're a pastor. Hello. But I loved listening to the farmers at all of those gatherings. They watched their fields carefully, potential pests, projected yields, the moisture content of each kernel of corn, because they were waiting for harvest time. Now those farmers looked at certain signs that led them to say, hey, it's harvest time. Let's go into our gospel lesson and see the signs that Jesus saw that led him to say, it's harvest time. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What led Jesus to say it's harvest time? He looked at people. He looked at people gathered in the crowds around him. They were harassed by sin in body and in soul. They were wandering aimlessly through life like sheep without a shepherd. Friends, is it still harvest time? I'm sure that next Next to Eagle River, Wisconsin, you would say Manitowoc, Wisconsin, is heaven on earth. I'm, I'm from Eagle River, that's why I said that. But, but you would say Manitowoc, Wisconsin, you're on Lake Michigan, what an awesome place to live. But even in Manitowoc, are there people afflicted by sin in body and soul? Do you have friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors who are wandering through life like sheep? without a shepherd? Yes, they're there, aren't they? You can, you can think of some. You're going to have opportunity to pray for them during this service, but you can think of those individuals. And what about the size of this potential harvest? Experts estimate that there are more people living right now than have lived in the entire history of the world. So yes, the evidence that Jesus saw is now multiplied. It leads us this morning to say it's harvest time. Now what did Jesus tell his disciples when he noticed that it was harvest time? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Before doing anything else, as Jesus saw the harvest, he told the disciples, Pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to pour out workers into his harvest field. Before you leave here this morning, I invite you to stop at the little table that I set up in the entryway. I'm sure you need, a, you need something from that table, a choir CD, a keychain, something. But here's what I really want you to make sure you grab. I want you to grab a little card that looks like this. There's a big stack of them. There's a picture of Old Main from Martin Luther College and a hymn verse. And then on the back, it asks you to do a number of things. To give thanks to God for the treasure of the gospel that we share in our church body. 
and then to ask the Lord of the Harvest to work in the hearts of young men and women the desire to pursue ministry. But I want you to take it a step further. Everybody needs a post-it note pad, so grab a pad of post-it notes. Take a pen, a little thought into it. Is there a young person that you think of in this congregation, maybe baptized right over there, went to your Lutheran elementary school, maybe is now attending Manitowoc Lutheran High School? Hmm. Write those down and put that sticky note on this card. Put it in your devotional booklet, in your Bible, put it on your fridge, put it somewhere where you will think to ask the Lord of the harvest to pour out workers into his harvest field. But what's our motivation to ask the Lord of the harvest? Our motivation is what Jesus felt in our gospel lesson. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. In the original language, it says his, his guts went out to them. He saw these people that didn't know God and didn't know the way to live and were lost and helpless. And it's just, it touched him inside. We have that compassion for the lost. As we think of the compassion that God has had on us, the forgiveness of our sins and the perfect life of his son Jesus, the sacrificial death of his son Jesus. When we think of the fact that he declares us not guilty of all our sins, that he invites us to be assured of that forgiveness in the Lord's Supper. With that compassion, our hearts go out with compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When he saw that it was harvest time, he told the disciples, ask the Lord of the harvest. Brothers and sisters, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. Pray for workers as Jesus encouraged us. Speaking of praying for workers, I want to tell you a little story about a young German-Russian boy named Edward. The year was 1914. Edward emigrated from Bessarabia, Russia. It was near the Black Sea. He emigrated to Akaska, South Dakota. I know what you're wondering. What was he thinking? There's nothing out there. But he got a team of horses and some land. And from 1914 to 1918, Edward began farming. In 1918, the old Synodical Conference, that was the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the Wisconsin Synod, the, old, the Norwegian Synod, the ELS, and a couple of other little church bodies, they were in desperate need of called workers, especially pastors, perhaps because of the ending of World War I. So again, this is now 1918, 100 years ago. The churches were praying corporately, as I'm asking you today to do, to ask the Lord of the harvest. Desperate need. Well, at that time in 1918, Edwards pastor, the Lutheran pastor in Akaska, South Dakota, encouraged him to become a pastor. Sold his horses and the land and went to seminary 1918 to 1926. 
From 1926, he served congregations in Tomahawk, Wisconsin, and in Merrill, Wisconsin, North Dakota, Minnesota, served for many, many years, an answer to a prayer. But the answer didn't end with Edward Otterstetter. Aunt Ruth became a teacher. Uncle Walt became a teacher. My dad, Robert, became a teacher. Uncle Marvin became a pastor. Uncle David was the black sheep. He went into the military. But he served God there too. But it didn't, that prayer being answered didn't end with that generation. My cousin Greg, pastor in Nina for many years, became a pastor. Mike became a pastor. And it didn't, the prayer still hasn't ended. The next generation, the great-grandchildren, teacher in there, pastor out in Seattle, Washington. I don't share that with you just to talk about the Otterstetter family, but to talk about the Lord of the Harvest answering the church's prayers. A hundred years ago, and the prayer is still answered. I ask you today and tomorrow and on a regular basis, ask the Lord of the Harvest to pour out workers into his harvest field. Now, when the disciples finished praying, there's an interesting turn of events in our gospel lesson. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. The disciples were the answer to the prayer that Jesus told them to pray. The same is true for you and me. Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to pour out workers into his harvest field. And then he encourages us to participate in that harvest. Now, how do we do that? Well, first of all, as individual members of a congregation, we encourage our young people to consider ministry. We help them along their way financially. Maybe we encourage them when they're home at, at Christmas and Easter or Thanksgiving or maybe in the summer. How's it going in your training for ministry? But it doesn't end with that. You participate in the harvest at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Manitowoc as you bring your regular proportionate and joyful offerings to your congregation to carry out its ministry and that your congregation supports the work of the Wisconsin Synod to carry out that ministry, you participate in the harvest. And then it goes beyond that to, to volunteer for work days, to volunteer, to usher, to set up for communion, to do all the things that need to be done at your Lutheran elementary school. Wow, that's participating in the harvest as Jesus enables us. But now perhaps you're saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor. The, the disciples were given very specific directions in here. Jesus told them exactly where to go, exactly who to see, and exactly what to say. Has he said that to us? You know, Jesus said, whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever listens to me, listens to the one who sent me. As you share the word in your network of friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors, as you invite people to come and hear, come, 
hear the word of God. That's participating in the harvest. Jesus has given us all that great common mission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing and teaching. Yes, that's participating in the harvest as well. As you go, Jesus said, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near you, has come near. Freely you have received, freely give. That's it, isn't it? This morning, as we reflect on the fact that it's still harvest time, we consider how God has freely given to us salvation in his son Jesus. The forgiveness of our sins, a place in heaven, answers to our prayers, angels to watch over us, blessings in body and soul. Oh, it's been poured out on us. Jesus says, freely you have received. Now give it away. Freely give. In 1931, a couple named Ted and Dorothy Husted left Nebraska and moved to South Dakota. They bought a pharmacy, a drugstore, in a town of 231 people. Now Dorothy said to her husband, Ted, this is gonna be tough to make a living in a town of 231 people. Wall Drug was founded that, at that time. Now you know where this story is going if you know the story of Wall Drug. Mount Rushmore was opening about that exact time. And so Dorothy said, let's offer ice water, free ice water to the travelers who are coming west to Mount Rushmore. By 1980, they were giving away 20,000 cups of ice water every day to all the tourists stopping at Wall Drug. In 1999, when Ted Husted died, the governor of South Dakota said that he was a guy that figured out that free ice water could turn you into a phenomenal success in the middle of a semi-arid desert way out in the middle of some place. As I think of that story about Ted and Dorothy Husted, with such a novel idea, well, let's give away ice water. I think of Jesus' words to us this morning. Freely you have received, freely give. I've given you the water of life and salvation. Now through your congregation, through your ministry, through the work of your synod, give that water of life away. When I began my message to you this morning, I reflected on the fact that the fields across Wisconsin and Minnesota are ready for harvest. It's harvest time. Let me close my sermon to you with a story about a harvest about eight years ago. The head trustee at the church in Redwood Falls, Minnesota, invited me down to talk about some things that we needed to get done on the church council and for the voters meeting. He said, Pastor O, throw in your shotgun. There's pheasants flying out of the ends of the rows. You may, you may catch a bird or two. Well. Didn't get any pheasants that evening. I learned how fast combines can go as I sprinted to the end of the, of the corn rows. But I jumped into the tractor pulling the tendering wagon and we got up next to his, the combine that was driven by one of this man's sons. 
His other two sons were sitting in semis out by the highway, and I asked them, why are they sitting in the semis with the engines idling? How long does it take to fill a semi with corn? Oh, maybe 40, 45 minutes. I couldn't believe it. A kid from Eagle River, Wisconsin, never seen a corn harvest like this. Well, we pulled up next to the semi, and he pulled the lever, and there's just this river of corn coming out of this chute that had to be this big. And we slowly went along the semi bed, and yep, sure enough, wouldn't take but a load and a half to fill that thing. That picture is stuck in my head, and as I think of harvests, that's what I think of. Wow, unbelievable yield. 2,000 years ago, Jesus saw people that were ready for harvest. The Lord of the harvest still looks at our world and says, that it's still harvest time. May God the Holy Spirit enable us then to pray for workers as Jesus encouraged us and to participate in the harvest as Jesus enables us. Amen.